0: back to the vegan pod i'm rachel new and i'm happy to be back guest hosting for this october where as part of uk black history month our episode celebrates black vegans within the movement and explores how black culture and history influences the way our guests lifestyles including the way they cook and enjoy their vegan food A point often raised in opposition to veganism is that of culture and tradition. How do we keep and honour our familial and cultural food customs when we're no longer including animal products in our diets? Is it possible to do justice to our heritage by veganising traditional dishes? Today, we're going to explore these thoughts with our guests, food photographer and recipe developer Livwani Chikudo and Cameroonian chef Guafu Tanzi, both of whom have a passion for sharing delicious plant based recipes and celebrating traditional African ingredients. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much.
1: Hello. It's
0: a pleasure to have you here. So with all our guests um, I'll start by asking you about your vegan journey or your plant-based journey. What led you to veganism? Guafu, off you go.
1: Um, Well my journey was a little bit different. So my journey actually started off as vegetarian way back when. I think I was about 14 and I wanted to move away from eating a lot of meat because my family ate a lot of meat growing up. Um but there was a lot of limitations due to like money funding availability. So I then returned back. It was actually after a seminar I had at uni all about sustainability within the food industry because I studied food technology. So it was part it was a new syllabus as part of our course. And the information I learned from there was so eye eye eye-opening. And I was already um a food advocate af- and I love food and I wanted to better the earth. So when I heard that being vegan and vegetarian is the best way to try and save the planet, um, and at the time I wasn't, I was like, well, this has to, I, have, I need to change this instantly. So a couple of days later, I was vegetarian. Um, and then I did that for a year. I learned how to cook everything from scratch because it's very, back then in Manchester, it was very difficult to actually eat out vegetarian or vegan. So a lot of food I had to learn to cook from scratch, take things with me Um, and then I transitioned into veganism a year later. So almost six and a half years later now, I've been vegan Um, and yeah, never going back.
0: It's interesting that you say, you know, a seminar was really eye opening for you because um education can you know can be a real turning point can't it and that when I say education that might just be you know reading an article or something somebody tells you or you know I think a lot of the time um our move to vegetarianism and then veganism comes from a very simplistic I don't want to eat animals um you know and that's a kind of simplistic gut compassionate point to start but then when you start to layer on that some of the complexities behind that um, and there are so many different reasons to come to veganism aren't they so um so interesting that that was your your start Livwani what brought you uh first to plant-based eating yeah
2: um yeah for me it was honestly my health struggles and my sensitivities to food um so I am from South Africa and I grew up well, I lived there for, I guess, 12 years of my life. And so transitioning to coming to the UK, uh, we were, um, I guess, exposed to different types of foods that we we had never, you know, seen before, or, you know, ate ate before. Um, So the challenge was my body not accommodating that food or just simply just re- rejecting it because we were so used to a different type of diet which was mainly plant-based diet um so I just out of desperation I was trying different types of things um to yeah I guess to better myself and you know to relieve myself from pain and so one of the things that um I um gave up was I was like right I'm gonna you know cut off this um, meat from my diet and just see how it go meat was of course not necessarily the issue with my health um, but I felt so good after you know not eating it for a while I was like oh my goodness I really love this feeling I I feel light I feel better I feel energetic and I just really love that and so that's sort of what started For me. Um, And then, not often, not long after that, I wanted to also you know learn more about you know what a plant-based diet is and really dive into yeah the nitty-gritty of the things that maybe I don't necessarily know so I dived into education and you know the likes of reading the books like how not to die um, really you know was very eye-opening to me as well as you know jumping onto you know documentaries like conspiracy, conspiracy and you know you know the rest like what the hell they really opened my my eyes in a way that yeah was like okay this is really really amazing also I think this might sound a bit of a woo woo but one thing that I noticed um straight after the giving up me was that I start I felt closer to animals as weird as that sounds like I felt in touch with the earth and in a way that I had never felt before so I was like okay I this this must be something this is deeper than you know not just eating meat this is like this is something that is I don't know it's awakening it's it's liberating and it, it's just yeah it's good
0: <laughs> I love that and I do you know what I think the vegan pod doesn't have enough woo woo on it I think we need to bring a <laughs> bit more woo woo a bit more you know unexplained mystical Mother Earth you know uh, why not and and I, I I hear you I think I think when you don't eat animals you see animals in a very different light. Um, I'm not a, uh, I was going to say I'm not an animal lover. That's not true, but I don't have any pets. You know, I'm not like, I'm not the person who goes, oh my God, look at that cute animal necessarily. (laughs) But I feel really close to them all because I have an equal relationship with all the animals you know, like, it's my relationship with animals, I may not be, you know, crazy over cute kittens, although I am quite crazy over cute kittens, because who is, (laughs) Um, but, but, you know, I think it does give you a different relationship with animals, when you're, you're you're no longer doing anything to damage them, or exploit them, absolutely, Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a bit more woo-woo, and it's interesting that you talked about feeling lighter as well, when you stopped eating meat, that's something that I, you know, I think I've heard, few people say and it's it's difficult to explain because it's not like you physically feel when you I I don't know it's like I remember going running after I gave up dairy and I felt like I could run much I felt like I was leaping through the air (laughs) which sounds a bit dramatic um but that's how I felt yeah and I mean out of interest um Livwani um when you say you know was it dairy that was causing you food problems um with Uh, your health I'm just interested because I know naturally a lot of people are incredibly intolerant to dairy aren't they
2: yeah yeah it it was a combination of of dairy and certain I could eat certain meats but there were meats that were also causing me issues like lamb um and beef so I think um I'm naturally a sensitive person so I think my body couldn't digest you know um all that yeah. like it's it takes a lot more effort for your body to digest meat than it does to digest plants um yeah Yeah, good, good. Well, I'm
0: glad you found a place that not only is a place of great kindness, it's a a place of uh, great health. So that's brilliant to hear. Um, I'm interested to know though about, um, now I think this happens whatever culture you're from, but um, sometimes I think in England, sometimes, you know we don't have a great food culture, which is a shame. You know, we don't have a kind of, but this is the thing that, you know, this is the thing that's been culturally handed down for ages, you've got to, you can't give it up through veganism, you know, except possibly Yosha <laughs> puddings, <laughs> like, not very much Yeah, a, I was going to say, Yosha yeah, puddings, Yorkshire puddings yeah, like... <laughs> and they are difficult to make vegan, I'll be honest yeah. um, but, um, but we don't have those strong kind of food connections, but, you know, I'm guessing for you culturally, um, you know, maybe there's a difference, and how was it with your families? Um, you know, Guafu, how was it when you know, did you get a lot of, oh no, but now you're not going to be able to eat this particular thing that we all really love and is really central to our sort of cultural cuisine
1: Um it's kind of like a mode two answers to this yes and no yes because they were shocked that I could be able to do a, a thing because like I'm um, within the Cameroonian cuisine meat is not necessarily the focus but it's definitely um something that you shouldn't um it's something that you don't eat every day but when you eat it it's very special so it's like a special thing you have at occasions or when someone comes around you offer it so it's not a main thing but so my when my family said are oh, you going to give up something that special and just eat vegetables or are you going to get your protein how when you go to other people's or parties how you're going to like what you're going to eat i think it was more of that concern um but on the other hand um growing up i was definitely the person that pushed boundaries within my family i tried a lot of different things compared to like my brother and sister um, i bought a lot of British culture within our um, eating habits. Um, so getting my family to try different things outside of Cameroon dishes. So even though they were shocked that I did something like that, it wasn't something new or it wasn't something that they think I couldn't have done or wouldn't have tried eventually. Um, but it, it, surprisingly, it was actually more, a lot of my friends who probably were more shocked because um during uni I was very I ate a lot of meat and chicken. a lot of my dishes were based on what my mum cooked for us, so I just brought that over to uni um and they didn't see the side of the side where when I was vegetarian. I tried new things when I was younger. so a lot of them <laughs> actually like laughed at me or didn't think it would last long um so <laughs> now, after so long. They're like oh actually she's actually doing this we actually have to take her seriously we actually have to consider her like when we're going to out to eat vegan options um, rather than me just struggling on the side um so it's been like a mix between friends and family but it's now everybody accepts it and it's kind of like part of my identity essentially yeah. when I yeah. meet friends and family.
0: Livwana, you were laughing there when, um, when Gawafu was saying her friends didn't believe she'd stick with it. Um, there's some resonance there for you. Yes,
2: I was laughing because her, her story is the same as, as mine. Um, similarly to, to her, um, we, I grew up in a... Um, I guess family where we are also saw meat as a special thing. So you you ate it during special occasions as well. It's not part of our day to day food. Um. So yeah. So it was from that for for myself as well. It was from that lens. So my parents were like also the same. Like they think they were thinking that it's just a phase and that I would get over it. So for example, my mother, you know, she refuses you know to not have the you know the luxury of eating meat because to her her whole life up until you know she was able to you know work or you know she was able to make her own money her life was plant based it was veganism that's all she's ever known so and this is the same you know for for most um you know people from where i come from so as well as it was for me it was definitely friends and yeah just acquaintances or at university as well because I gave up meat while I was at university so it was like you're going to give up meat like you, you don't leave at home anymore like what what's wrong with you like so it was that um it was that as well for me so also I think it's still hard even today, um, you know, for, to to get people to understand who you are, especially when you meet new people, because there's this constant cycle of having to explain yourself. So I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't eat meat, or, or you know, I, uh, you know, I practice a, a vegan lifestyle, and someone will be like, oh, okay, that's absolutely fine. Uh, we're going to make this dish, and it's it's basically, We're going to make like you know beef and on so on, but can we just give you the sauce? you know let's just give you that there's no meat it's just the sauce and people it's like people can't grasp or they don't understand like that no it's 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 a it's a lifestyle it's yeah yeah you're in or you're out yeah (laughs) you're not just you're not just on the saucy
0: side you know (laughs) like it's it's in or out um yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think um, I think you know, and I speak as a as a parent as well here. You know, when you hear that your uh, daughters are going to try a completely different diet while they're at university, like you're going to be worried, right? Because as a mum, you're like, well, no. at least they know these things. Like, at least they'll be eating a lot of fried chicken or whatever. You know, like mm. at least and then you know, at least they'll be going and eating burgers or something, and then. You know, then they say, "Oh, I, I, actually, I'm going to cut all these things out of my diet." I can understand parents being worried, even yeah. cultural issues aside. You know, they're just worried that you're going to, you know, whether you're going to be eating properly. So I, I sympathise with both yeah. of <laughs> parents.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think, I think, I think there's this misconception that you know, meat is the source of all the nutrients, mm. and that if you're not eating it you'll be deficient in so many ways and that is so far from the truth you can still eat you know uh plant-based and still get all the nutrients that you need to and I think this is where you know a lot of education needs to come into play um yeah yeah. I think
0: you've I think that's the crux of so much of it isn't it still you know still it's it's the whole where do you get your protein added yeah yeah I mean it is changing but it is it is slow. Um, so, so we're celebrating Black History Month. Um, do you feel it's important for the vegan movement to honour Black History Month? And what do you think, you know, Black History and culture has brought to the vegan movement?
1: Yeah, I think it's very, very important for the vegan movement to honour Black History Month because, in my opinion, I feel like other cultures need to be showcased within a movement like ve- veganism is a way, it's a, it's a political statement to basically push back and try and save the planet animals. And this, these things exist across the globe, right? So if you pinpoint veganism within just like the Western world, you're not gonna solve the bigger problem. Everybody needs to be involved. Everybody needs to be showcased. Everybody needs to be talked about to have the bigger picture. So within the, the black um, community, We have already as like Le'Vani said, we have already been doing this for decades before veganism was a thing. Like growing crops, being sustainable, using the whole plant or animal, that, that within our culture is embedded. So we need to showcase that. And as a part of education, people can learn from that as well. And people need to learn about different cuisines as well, which they can like take in and also learn learn recipes, learn how other cultures live within like, a vegan space um, and help each other out. I feel like within any movement, not just veganism, everybody needs to be involved and everybody needs to be showcased and represented. Otherwise, it's just not a full picture.
0: It's a really good point as well about the different cuisines because um, when people say to me, oh, you know, if I was thinking about going vegan, like where would I start? And I always say, start with cultures where they naturally don't eat very much meat you know where they have a rich exactly. a rich exactly. diet of different vegetables and in, incorporating you know different different plants you know start there because rather than trying to say oh I'm going to try and you know veganize a steak or whatever you know go somewhere where <laughs> oh, you know so, so it's a re- it's a really good point because there are you know and you have and so it does bring you a broader cultural spectrum of eating I think you know veganism for sure uh Livwani
2: yeah just echoing what Guafu said like I think it's important um you know to yeah for to be for the vegan movement to honor a uh, Black History Month but I feel like the question really should be you know you know yeah how can I phrase this um I don't know I don't know the words to say to sort of talk talk about this but it's like this question does not necessarily acknowledge the fact that black people or the black black history um yeah that basically that veganism has been so rooted in what we do as black people um and it's almost like it's nothing new to us. We've been doing this for so many years. We can trace veganism back to two thousand years, right? And we ate specifically. We ate in a different, in a, in a, yeah, we ate more plants basically, and we led a vegan lifestyle. And I feel like this changed when you know colonialism um, was introduced. More farming methods were introduced, and as a result of that, fewer indigenous crops became unknown or they became, and you know, we were not, we didn't embrace as Black people, we started not embracing the crops that fed our people, the crops that fed our ancestors. So yes, I think it's important that we honor Black, uh, we honor the vegan movement on this Black History Month, because that's the, that's the core, that's the root of where it comes from. Um, yeah.
0: I love that we're we're all from Africa and and so is veganism. Excellent,
2: yeah, <laughs> so love <does> that.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's where we. It's where everything came from. Um, so let's talk about traditional family dishes. Um, let's talk about things that you uh, have, you know, veganized or or that you know, as you've both been saying, things that already would naturally be vegan. Let's. I want you to. Um, get my juices flowing i've already looked been looking at both of your um instagram accounts and like right. to mop my drooling mouth so yeah, it's, like, um, it's like oh it's only eight o'clock in the morning and yet i could totally eat those puff puffs um, <laughs> like, i do too, uh, yeah. Yeah. um so so hit me up with a few dishes that um that you know maybe were things that you really loved you know before you were vegan but you've either veganized or you've kind of taken on and and you know embellished a little bit guafu
1: i think the the way i've kind of created my cuisine is all the dishes that i do are vegan like there's not a dish especially within our main, so there's the jollof rice, the spinach stew, the beans, the puff puff, the fried plantain, we've got the okra soup, we've got the the arrow, right? So all these dishes, all these dishes, growing up, didn't have meat in it. It was meat that was just placed on the side. There are a few dishes that have meat within it, so if you don't have it, then it's not really the dish. I haven't really done any of those. But growing up, the main dishes were jollof rice, staple it's kind of like the first dish that you have to learn how to make i really love spinach stew and i really love aero um i loved eating it with gary plantain so i'm going
0: to stop uh, you there those... because i don't know what aero is except the okay, english so... chocolate bar obviously not that <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>, so... <laughs> so I mean, okay, the other things i'm recognizing but you know i need yes. all these things to come to me what is it
1: Okay, so aero is a very luxurious dish. It's very rich, um, high in fat. It's made from um, a bitter leaf that's grown in Cameroon. Um, you can find it in Nigeria, but I think it has a different name. Um, and it's just I don't know how to ex- explain it. It's just like rich, very green, very very vegetal taste, but like. Um, You can make it like this. I, when I make, I do it tomato based. I try not to use palm oil, but it's a dish that you give to somebody or you eat at a party. It's not a day to day dish. When I had it. uh, we go to like monthly functions and meetings that we celebrate with other Cameroonians and we'll go with like 50 other Cameroons in just like one big house um, and we'll just like celebrate Cameroon food and that's when Aero was available and that was the only times I really ate it so whenever I go to those parties I look forward to eating this dish um, and you usually eat it with like gawi which is like a or fufu which is like a pounded grain or fufu is like a cassava pounded up very similar I say to people it's like a chewy mashed potato texture um interesting yes um and you kind of scoop it up so it's a very you have to eat with your hands it's very like you're you're with the dish um yeah. you have to be, like really embrace what you're eating um so that was that that was my number one dish and I right. only make it when we have supper clubs and I'm yet to do it um And when I do, I'm looking forward to it because I kind of want to see what other people, their expression of their faces when they eat something so special and so close to me.
0: Brilliant, sounds great. Livwani, uh, you know, are are any of those things, because I think a lot of them, a a huge mistake a lot of us make as well as thinking like Africa's like, you know, London or something that everyone is the same, well, not that everyone's the same in London, but you know, (laughs) Africa's massive, it's a continent, you know, so yeah, Um, so I don't know whether you're listening to those things, I've never had Aero or heard of it, sounds great, I wonder if we have a similar thing, or, so what would, what would your... Um, yeah tradition. no
2: I, I've never heard of Aero as well but I'm sure if I find a traditional name in my yeah in my culture I'm sure we probably have something similar
1: yeah
2: um, all our dishes are similar they just have this, different names exactly different
1: ingredients here and
2: there it just make small <laughs> differences yeah you know what I, I will find out because I do have like this list of like over 500 plants that my indigenous people eat so i'm gonna go through it and see if we have something similar um, but yeah i can um for us it's the same so um like i said we eat um where i come from i'm from a vendor tribe and we eat predominantly a plant-based diet and so if we're to eat meat it's always on the side we never cook anything with meat or milk or dairy it's all plant-based so there's been a lot of things that I've brought through and it's like just like for example yesterday I had um, sorghum pounded sort of you know like what Guafu was saying it's like fufu it's basically like mashed potatoes but it's just pounded and I just had that with vegetables I had it with cover greens and it's a type of leaf that looks like kale but it's from Zimbabwe um, and I had that with like a sort of like a tomato relish so like just basically onions and tomatoes and cooked together and that's it and you eat your and sort of like mashed up into like soupy type vibe type fill yeah and then you eat that so that's like what i just explained is the definition of a traditional <laughs> fun-based african uh, or, or let me say vendor um south african dish um so yeah things like that i love tough top as well i was in south africa um months back and i ate puff puff every single morning like oh, I, I, so i didn't I, know they, they had it in South Africa. Africa. yes we do oh. we do it's like my favorite thing i don't know how to make it yet so maybe Guafu can teach me <laughs>
0: I think we should definitely talk about Puff Puff, actually, because you you are—you know—you make these Puff Puff boxes that people can order, um, and (laughs) I believe one (laughs) is literally scooping the saliva back into her mouth at the mention of Puff Puff. Um, (laughs) So, tell us what Puff Puff is, um, Gwathro. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, Puff. So, the origins of Puff Puff, because Cameroonian was um, French origin, so the colonizers were French somewhat English, and they bought off. They bought beignets. I think everyone knows what a beignet is. It's like a French puff donut. It's very light, but basically it has, beignets usually has butter, milk, all the things that a lot of African countries don't have. So puff puff essentially is a stripped down version of that. It's flour, water, sugar, yeast, risen up. It's a wet dough. So it's, when you handle it, it feels like a, kind of like sticks to your fingers it's like a wet bread consistency and then you fry it and then it pops up into like a really light airy crispy donut. Um, you can have it savory or sweet um depending on what kind of palette you want because you can eat it as a main meal so that's our i say to everyone it's our quality what Yorkshire put in right <laughs> so you can eat it with your main meal if you have that's it savory or you can make it sweet yeah why? that's <laughs> a good you can make it sweet? <laughs> You can make it sweet and have it with different um, sugars, chocolate, whatever you want. So it's kind of like a vessel. Um, and it's literally, it's for kids, it's the most, it's the best thing you can eat. <laughs> they love it. And growing up, it was something that my mum taught me how to do. It was actually my mum's recipe over lockdown. I got her to, and my brother, to basically pinpoint the recipe down to tea every gram. So I I could try at home, finesse it a little bit, and that's what we have. Because I think Perfect. my pop puff, puff. Puff, puff is the best. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it sounds amazing, and, yeah. and you know, it's it's important that you, or interesting that you mentioned the sort of French influence and and, um, you know, colonialism. Well, we could do several episodes just on colonialism. I'm sure. Um. But, you know, there is that blending, isn't there? There is that merging at some yeah. point, at, you know, mm-hmm. along the journey. Um, so, uh, you know, what may have been, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, 2000 years ago being, you know, plant-based in, in some or many, um, you know, African cultures. Um, and then at some point, some of those things will have been introduced and some of the those ingredients wouldn't have been available. So then they've been blended. Um, yeah. What do you think... Um, you know, it's interesting. so you say Cameroonian is a French influence but what about what about in South Africa what's the colonial influence if there is one there
2: yeah so it's it's um yeah so how can I say this so we have a dish for example called chakalaka and so this dish was it's plant-based actually but it's made out of um carrots red pepper uh, I guess red peppers or so red peppers and yellow peppers so basically the um, they, they call it robot peppers down there which is actually so funny and nice <laughs> um so robot peppers yeah so we call in South Africa we call traffic lights robots so <laughs> so uh, so yeah so basically because of course the traffic lights colors <laughs> the colors resembles the peppers so mm. it has to be it has to be yeah it's part of our di- of this of making this dish and it's a very colorful. You know relish and you eat it with rice or or bread or whatever but it was influenced um, during the apartheid type um, era where you know um, people who were working in the mines they were working for white people didn't necessarily have yeah you know um they didn't necessarily have um, what is it called yeah just Access to foods that they wanted to eat, and as a result, um, Indian. Yeah, also it's influ- the the dish is also influenced by like Indian spices as well. When you look at it, it looks like I think they call it achar. Um, so that's an example of a dish that has been influenced by colonialism. Um, we have. Um, I remember when I went to um, my a church here. Um, I'm a Christian, and we. Uh, brought um is it what's this it's what's this dessert it's like truffle at the times so it's like custard and um cream and jelly and oh soda. like a trifle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's a trifle, yes. That's it. I can't remember the name of it. And yeah, and we we were asked to bring like a dish of something that we grew up eating, and that was one of them, right? Um, so I remember like one of the women was like, No, this is such an English dish. And it was like <laughs> the first time I actually had that, that oh yeah it probably is an english dish um so things like that so i think most things like coleslaw um you know beetroot salads all of this stuff like it's part it's now part of i guess the new uh, type of cuisine in south africa um which wasn't the case before so yeah i love that
0: trifle is a hit in south <laughs> africa <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, uh, like,
2: you would go to if you go to like a party or if there's a gathering yeah, you're most likely to find a trifle to be fair i love a trifle
1: anything custard and fruit and cream that's how it's a perfect combination I just
2: it's so <laughs> comforting right yeah I I, is, yeah.
0: good. I also love a trifle. When um when Elmley brought out their uh vegan cream that you could whip to make,
1: you know, <gasps> oh, <cream>. hot chocolates and stuff. We've sweet. had
0: we've had a trifle at Christmas every year since that cream came out. Because oh. now we can make a trifle. <laughs> that cream is a
2: game changer. Have you tried it making is. ice cream with it?
0: No, no, gosh, I haven't, should. okay. Yes, it's on my list. <laughs> do that.
2: Yes, do you. it's so good, yeah, it's really good.
0: <laughs> so uh, let me ask you both for um, a kind of ingredient or a herb or a spice or something that, you know, maybe... Um, people might not have tried cooking with that you really love that you think you know bring something um to vegan dishes or you know or a couple I, I, it's really interesting talking to you both all i'm feeling is like oh my god there are so many foods i need to learn about <laughs> there's so many things i need to try and, and where am i going to get the ingredients and you know what are they called and everything so maybe if if both of you could sort of give a, a couple of ingredients that you think are really good staples that you know work really well in vegan dishes you know what they're called and, and if and where they You can buy them, are they easy to get hold of? So Guafu, you go first.
1: Oh, this is so tough. That's a really (laughs) tough question. (laughs) Um, okay, so spices in terms of just if you just wanna dip your toe in a little bit, all purpose seasoning or um a mild curry powder of any sort or and thyme, the combination of those three things will bring and essence of particularly Cameroonian cuisine. Um, if you want to change up your curry, if you want to change up your stew of any kind, that's a very good entry level. Get some plantain. I have actually seen Tesco, the really really big Tescos do plantain now. you would be paying a lot of money for it <laughs> but it's available which is good. Um, but if you go to, there's always nearby a local African shop or local Chinese Asian shop those two places will always have plantain um and because it's a bit it's a grown cuisine they're popping up a lot more like around me there are probably about four in total within a three mile radius um, so I would say start with those um and do your research like just google a few simple african recipes i've got a few on my website that are very 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 easy to follow and i've changed a lot of the ingredients so it's accessible so you can get a lot of the ingredients in most your supermarkets so you don't have to go to specialist shops anywhere um i would say yeah stick with those and then venture on forwards and try new things on there.
0: I think that's a really good point about accessibility especially when you're trying something you've not really tried before because you don't necessarily want to go I mean, you know, my spice rack is ridiculous as it is. You don't necessarily <laughs> want to go out and buy stuff and then maybe if it's not really for you then, you know, you're not going to use it and so if you're you not can start use it, on yeah. A, yeah, if you can start on a level where I'm just going to give this a go maybe with some, you know, ingredients I've already got or would use in another dish then, you know, it's not it's not a you know it's very accessible isn't it thank you brilliant i am i i've never ever cooked plantain actually i've had it a lot out um but I you're making me think I'm um, definitely gonna I'm gonna get there's loads it's of places so easy to make so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know I mean it looks easy right it, it doesn't look like it look you know when you get planted you know you've got planted it's not like a lot's happened to it you know so it's it, mm, it, it looks easy but I, I I've just only ever eaten it when I've been out so I need to change that uh, Livwani what would you
2: what would you suggest oh my goodness so the things I want to suggest I don't even think you can get them from like in the UK. <laughs> so, um, so my favorite ingredient right now is something called bambara beans so this is something that I grew up eating my great-grandmother used to bring it for me like you know she would um, buy it in the market and she cooked and then she'll bring it for me as a snack and occasionally she would make like a traditional uh, dish as well which is just basically just bambara beans um, corn um, and peanuts um, cooked together slow cooked together and it's sort of like makes this sort of like mushy type of vibe like type of dish and yeah so that's like my favorite it's like it beats any any type of beans you might have heard before like black beans or chickpeas it's just on another level it's very it's like a sweet type of bean um and so I got some from South Africa all the way till here and I'm trying to, to find a way to see if we can bring it here. Um, So that's like my favorite one. But of course, even like I've got recipes on my blog as well, like sorghum, it's something that is like, it's a grain that is indigenous to Africa that a lot of people do not know um, much more about. It's very, it's gluten-free. It's very nutritious compared to, you know, other grains that we, um, we might know. So I think it's probably in the same light as how people see and view quinoa, for example. right so um, these are dishes that people can you know incorporate into their their diets and you know get most of nutrients out of this so it's not just about eating to get full, but it's also about eating to get some nutrients out of it I actually have a sorghum milkshake on my blog as well so incorporating things like that and making it fun so it doesn't look like yeah so it's like a fun way of also you know um eating these ingredients so yeah
0: I think I'm gonna to have to put a little announcement at the top of this episode saying get a pen and paper there's I know so much. I'm trying to find my
1: own like I need to find out what this is I need to, I need to so, try
0: it there's so much brilliant food uh, stuff coming out of this and wonderful uh, cultural suggestions and recipes um thank you both so much it's it's just been it's been a great chat it's made me very hungry <laughs> <laughs> it's made me want to go out and try lots of new things so so thank you so much for for coming on Um, The vegan pod. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Thank you so much to our guest today, Livwani Chikudo, food photographer and recipe developer, creating drool worthy food that promotes the use of African ingredients and encourages more plants on plates. You can find her on Instagram at It's Livwani. And to learn more about her work, you can visit livwani.com And Guafu Tansi is a Cameroonian born vegan chef feeding the lucky people of Manchester delicious West African food. You can follow her on Instagram. On Facebook at Guafu Vegan or here or head to guafuvegan.com to find out more about her pop-ups and home deliveries. Thank you both so much for joining us. It's been a fantastic insight into the importance and practicalities of keeping culture and tradition alive through food. And it's great to acknowledge that we can honour our history uh, while still moving forward towards a vegan future. You've certainly inspired me, and I'm sure you've inspired many of our listeners to try some of those new ingredients and recipes. And if you'd like to let us know that you've kept your family's culture or food traditions alive since becoming vegan, you can email us on podcast at vegansociety.com or follow us on Twitter at vegan society or Instagram at the original vegan society on Facebook. And we'll be back with another episode of the vegan pod next month. So if you've enjoyed the discussion today, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you,
2: Thank you so much.